You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and I have one question. How can podcasts be real if our ears aren't real? Oh, I wasn't really <laughs> wanting to go here. <laughs> is that is, headway seven pounds? I read that all in weirdly cap- capitalized letters, too. Yeah. <laughs> if oh, babies right. could talk, they would be the most intelligent creatures on Earth. Oh, Jesus. I just got what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A bitch. So yeah, we're we're talking about his dad getting Jaden with it. No, 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 no. I didn't do it. <laughs> Technically, he found a loophole on he the did. loophole. Jaden Smith's a loophole. <laughs> He's a fruit loop. He's some kind of hole. He's a fruit loophole. All right. So if you haven't figured that out, because I don't know why it would be completely obvious that we're doing Will Smith for this uh for this show. Yeah, in our series of a focus on a particular performer and their entire career from then spanning the period all the way to now, we've done a few of these before. Uh, and yeah, Will Smith is our, our uh, focus this week. Yes. Wait, Will <clears throat> Smith? Did you do Jada? No, I did Willow. Ah, uh, uh, okay. We were prepared for a very short show. I was. Damn it. All right, I'll be back in a little bit. Go ahead. All right. Talk amongst yourselves while he watches eight movies. <laughs> right. Oh. So, yeah. So, Will Smith is the show this week. And we have watched... Uh, well, I've listened to a bunch of his music on the commute. Well, we reached out to him and asked him if he wanted to come be a guest star, but he hasn't returned our calls yet. Nope. But Jaden did, oddly enough. <laughs> yeah. We declined. <laughs> he, texted us in, in, he texted us in title case. Another weird thing is that every word he capitalizes, yeah. But anyway, I digest. Yes, you do. Now, if you'd like to digest some quality podcasts, Ooh, that was a good one. I thought so. <laughs> you can just navigate your browser to the Musings of a Geek podcast network at www.musingsofageek.com where you'll find such shows as Geek Ire, Culture Babble, The Q from Hell, Outlandish Conversations. Comic arguments, and I thought there was a new cool one. I'll I go just past the playhouse. <laughs> <laughs> That's not real. Well, it, we, it, it might be. We could make it real. <laughs> <laughs> and Sons of the Renaissance. That was the one I was looking for. I thought that was a cool name. You get to drink from the fire hose. <laughs> as well as let's not forget about the left field sports lounge. UnclePat'sPlayhouse.com is not claimed. <laughs> I smell spin-off. <laughs> so, uh, if you'd like to call and suggest something for Uncle Pat's Playhouse first episode... Would, uh, would I be Mork and Mindy, or would I be the Cleveland show? Ooh. Probably Cleveland. Probably. <laughs> Dude, I would love to see you in Mork and Mindy. 
I'd like to be in Mindy. Uh-huh. Pam Dauber. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you can call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And if you'd like to listen to our most recent shows, you could for sure check them out on iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. And you can, for now, get our entire archive on TalkShoe, and very soon you'll be able to get our entire archive on any of those fine podcasting directories. Yes, because by the time this show posts, it should have reset everything, and all of our 90-plus shows should be up. So, yay. Yeah. <laughs> so, we've got a little bit of listener feedback. Uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh is correct. It's it's the one particular listener. Oh, crap, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, that will be getting played as soon as I queue up the file. All right. So, from a regular listener. Good morning, fuckers. Uh <laughs> I, I think it's funny that, that one of you guys, it, I, I don't know which one it is because it's not Joel or Pat, uh, vacations in Branson, Missouri. Because, uh, I just got back from Branson, Missouri. My, actually my stepmother has a, a condominium there and, uh, we've got family who live across the lake. And, uh, it's, it's a good time if you've got a lot of money to spend on mini golf and fucking go karts and shit. But uh, I, I wanted to throw that in there, and and actually, her her condo is right behind Yakov's theater, and uh, uh, it's it's yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I have seen Anne Margaret. Uh, they, when my pop was alive, he had a, he lived around the corner from Anne Margaret, and I saw her once, and apparently she's just it's like the seeing her outside is a big deal. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a neat place. It's definitely uh, definitely something. And, uh, I forgot what else I was going to say. Yeah, I did. I totally forgot where else I was going because I'm walking around, walking around the pool at work. And I was mesmerized by the, by the cool, clear water. This makes you want to get in there and spin around like an egg. Yeah. yeah I'm going to call back a little bit. The dog and apparently thought that was adequate. What, Pat? Yes, it ended with a dog. <clears throat> you know what I'm most disturbed with about by that whole thing? Is at one point, I don't know where on the lake he lives. And that's where the in-law's condo is, to, or the, the place they have is. Too. So I may be a next-door neighbor at that time to Charlie. Well, right, right behind the, the Yakov Center, that's known as the uh, <laughs> the Borscht Belt. <laughs> You're a little idiot. known fact. It's, it's right. It's right next to the Gazpacho District. This is like that cake yeah, thing. These, isn't Russian, it? these Russian jokes aren't doing anything for you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then so yeah. And then Yakov Smirnov turns into cake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it was a toss-up between uh, "What a Fool Believes" and crickets. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I think you chose well. In Mother Russia, the cake smashes you. <laughs> See that's a that that was a crickets moment. That yeah. was really Alan. I used to actually have a T-shirt that said um, "In Russia, a T-shirt wears you." You guys remember that shirt? I didn't have sleeves, did it? This thing on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Is it about that time? Yes, it is. <laughs> this weekend, music, <laughs> movies, <laughs> and TV. 
and sparks. <laughs> oh, you got no giggling now. Yeah. Uh, so this weekend, September 25th, 1972, Will Smith's 14th birthday. Mm, clever. Yes, yeah, very nice. Uh, covered all the bases there. <clears throat> so music, Baby Don't Get Hooked on Me by Mac Davis is the number one song in America. Knocking off, uh-oh, acronym of the week shows up early. It's a double. B&W by 3DN. Yes, that's uh, Bacon and Waffles by Three Delicious Norwegians. Classic cut off their uh, breakfast album. Well, at least it wasn't three dick noses. <laughs> <laughs> you notice since you guys start calling me out on that, there have been no testicles or penises in, in the acronym of the week for like a month. I kind of, I kind of miss them. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't missed you yet. Oh, man. Oh. So, on that note, David Bowie sells <laughs> hang out on, his... Hang on, wait, well, What actually what? is that? Oh, Three Dog Night, but... Yeah, Black and White by yeah. Three Dog Night. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. I got so put off by the flying penises. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Mike's like, fuck it, we're going with bacon and waffles. Yeah. That was my Windows screensaver. Bacon and waffles? No, flying penises. <laughs> so, David Bowie... <laughs> Sells out his first show in New York's Carnegie Hall on September 28th. Huh. Yeah. And on September 25th, Liam Gallagher of Oasis is born. Is he the shitty one? Yeah. Okay. Because trick so, question. They're all shitty. No, is <laughs> pretty shitty, too. So I'm not technically wrong. No. No. So, uh, movies, Deliverance is on the end of its six-week run as the number one movie in the land, which is... Mm. <laughs> yeah. Ah, all right, so anyway, uh, yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow, American actress, 1998 Oscar winner for Best Actress and Stepford Ex-Wife, is born in Los Angeles, California on September 27th. Wow, you managed to find someone more worthless than Liam Gallagher. I am in <laughs> Aww. She only uses, wait, is it her that only uses one square? Yes. For wiping? If, uh, yeah, and that's the thing. is, I, I would defend that statement that Gwyneth Paltrow is a waste of flesh and air for and, hours. And all, my, all of my evidence is everything she's ever posted online. Yeah. Yeah. I and, mean, there's you don't have a lot to, to, to search for to find evidence that she's very pretentious. Completely disconnected. Yes. Yeah. It, it, she just, like, has no idea how actual humans live. Did and, you see the thing where she, she, where she went like to the grocery store? didn't have a sense of humor. Yeah. Well, did you see the thing where she went, she was like, nobody, uh, she took the food stamp card to, uh, the grocery store and she's like, nobody can survive on this. And she got like organic hand picked quinoa and like all this, like nine lemons. Yeah. No, she got like nine limes and no, and no, and absolutely no rhyme or reason to anything of that. So if you're making Sprite, I mean, you know. You gotta have fresh limes. It's for her homemade soda. Exactly. Right. So, uh, also in this month in 1972, there were no movies released. Are you kidding me? Nope. No movies released in September of 1972. All of Hollywood instead was involved with bathing Marlon Brando. And still getting over deliverance. Takes a lot of people to, to wrangle in Marlon Brando. <laughs> uh, TV, the top shows are All in the Family, Sanford and Son, and Hawaii Five-O. <laughs> should do a show about one of those. We should. I hate uh. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Carl Picklington? Pilkington. Pilkington. British TV and radio personality is born on September 25th in Manchester, England. England, across the Atlantic Sea. <laughs> 
you know, you had to go with double England. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fuck it. You, if you guys are going to pull the Ron Burgundy on me, I'm just going to go with it. I, I love that. It's like, let's clarify which England we're talking about here. England, England. <laughs> no, Ron that's all, England? that's all lyrics from a song. So, oh, yeah. I had to bring show tunes into it somehow. It's from the musical hair. Mm. Oh. Thanks, Uncle Pat. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, ABC premieres a new TV series in concert by featuring Alice Cooper. Nice. Series just canceled next week. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody, <laughs> what the hell was that? We thought she was an opera singer. <laughs> uh, sports, 1 September. What? Why did you write 1? On, sorry, I think on. It's supposed oh. to be on. <laughs> I'm like, on September. I was saying. After I've already deleted it, Mike. <laughs> well, I was. 1 September 24th. New <laughs> Just York. one of them. New York Jet. Them. Joe Namath passes for six touchdowns versus the Baltimore Colts, and they win 44 to 34. That's a lot of touchdown passes. Yes. Yes. And on the other side of the coin, Jack Tatum of the Oakland Raiders returns a fumble for a record 104 yards versus the Green Bay Packers. Okay, so somebody on the Packers fumbled in the end zone, and he picked it up and ran it the rest of the field. That's correct. Okay. See, I know sports. <laughs> I just realized my mic, was, my mic was muted. I thought you were awfully quiet for a while. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Did the dog do it? No. Dogs are upstairs. Oh. All right, so that's the twee. Yay! Da-da. All right, so on to the main show. On to the main show. The main show about Willard Maplethorpe. Smithington the third. <laughs> that may not be his real name. <laughs> Although his real name is a little unusual. Yeah, which is what prompted me to like really go crazy with it. <laughs> yep. Uh, as actually his real name is Willard Cal- Carroll. Getting crazy with it. Oh, you're getting so close. <laughs> just okay. Just letting you know, he's three shots in right now. For every time somebody says that, they got to do a shot. Nobody has said it except for Joel, and he's three in. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he was him not to do as we had said. He was born September twenty fifth, nineteen sixty eight, and he uh, started his showbiz career as the MC of the hip hop duo DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince with his childhood friend Jeffrey. Now, how's this for coincidence? DJ Jazzy Jeff Towns as the turntables and producer, and uh, Ready Rock C Clarence Holmes as the human beatbox. Is that his real birth date? Is that right? I hope so. That's what you did the twee on. Well, no, I did the twee wrong then, because I did it. Oh, yeah. Um, 1972. He was four when I did Oh, whatever. Yeah, so. Too late to t- All right, we're going to have to start the whole show over. Oh, Never mind. damn it. Because of this, none of those things happened on that day. <laughs> so, did any of us ha- have a DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince album? Yes. Well, yeah. yeah. Nope. I mean, I was into, like, inoffensive rap at the time, like uh, Young MC and MC Hammer, but I don't know. I mean, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, they're okay. I'm sure I watched the video for parents who just don't understand a lot. Nightmare on My Street. Yeah, yeah, that's on my uh, my playlist. I was actually listening to that at work, and um, I don't know if I was bobbing my head or just singing along. And some, you know, and someone goes, "Hey, what are you listening to?" <laughs> I Nightmare on My Street, Will Smith, DJ Jazzy Jeff, <laughs> and I got the. You know, you could have laid down money on what I thought you were gonna say, <laughs> and that was literally the last thing ever. It's a fun song, though. 
He is, but well, you're right. That's what he did. He made fun music. I yeah. Mean, you know, even his adult stuff is, you know, he got it, it didn't even really get that racy, you know, for rap, and it was just basically like a like a hip hop R and B fun time party song. I mean, they he, he basically just went out just and just said, "I'm going to make party songs," and he straight up just sang about partying without being offensive. Yeah, and I think he knew at the time that there was a market for that. That yeah. uh, uh, rap and hip hop was ready <laughs> to break into pop music, but it wasn't going to do so with like some real heavy stuff mm -hmm. yeah well nwa wasn't going to be the crossover right, right. yeah so uh the whole stint as uh dj jazzy jeff he uh being a young guy imagine if we had been in this at this time making that much money the millions that he made and uh he spent money kind of freely between 88 and 89 and then underpaid his income taxes <laughs> so the irs uh came back and nabbed him for 2.8 million uh, yeah, he was he was worth twenty million dollars when he was twenty years old, and he and by the time he was twenty one, he was declaring for bankruptcy. Yeah, so uh, right as he was declaring for bankruptcy in nineteen ninety, NBC um, came to him and pitched uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Ironically enough, they talked to Wesley Snipes first. Um, <laughs> that's not true. But meanwhile, Jesse Jeff is probably laughing his way to the bank. He's like, and I paid his, my taxes. Wesley Snipes is in the audition. You know, The only thing he's concerned about is, when do I kill Uncle Phil? <laughs> Always bet on black. Yeah, how sad are you if you're Ready Rock C at this point? <laughs> right? <laughs> no kidding. He's still probably kicking himself. And he's doing like the behind the music special. And he's like, yeah, I could now, have been a contender. Now, did he just drop out from them? Like, I'd forgotten he was a, a, a thing. I have no idea. Well, I think, I mean, what was it? The one album, he's a DJ and the rapper. I mean, that's, they kind of like, oh, yeah, and by the way, he does beatboxing, isn't the <laughs> album we know. And he, and he drives. <laughs> so, favorite DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince song? Okay, yeah, I, I have uh, an answer to the question. According to Ready Rock oh. C, he left the group DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince in 1990 because Will Smith wanted the spotlight all to himself. So he'll show him. He'll give it to him. Yeah. And uh, apparently Ready Rock C sued Smith and Towns in 1999, claiming he was owned one third of the group's profits. But the case was thrown out because the statute of limitations had expired. Aw. So... And that's if the he was end an of artist? that chapter. If you're gonna do, know. see if if he had actually been a little more ready. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know he made statues. Anyway, nice. <laughs> oh Jesus, really? Um, so <laughs> give me that. Give me the answer to that question, Josh. I thought that's, I thought that was the uh, answer you were going to give me about what your favorite um, favorite song was. I did too. Oh uh, well, probably for me, it would have to be "Parents Just Don't Understand." Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I know it's like the most mainstream obvious thing to say ever, but right. uh, you look at the video for that and how obviously it was remade in some ways for the opening for Fresh Prince later. I mean, it's going to be the standout. Well, he kind of had a theme with his videos back then. I mean, they they kind of flowed uh, with a certain kind of mm, style that carried over from one to the next and it, it quickly changed as you know the next album came out but yeah it's because they kept putting dj jazzy jeff and drag <laughs> well and it had such a very very 90s thing with a white room with the uh pastel graffiti all over it and he was probably the height of 90s fashion in that era mm -hmm. so I don't know. Blew in the mic. I, <laughs> so I did it too. <laughs> Sorry. Someone else answer the question. Okay. Um, 
Joel. Well, I, and I just made reference to the song a minute ago, but Nightmare on My Street, just because at the time, outside of Alice Cooper's He's Back and the Man Behind the Mask from, uh, you know, from Friday the 13th part, sure, I don't remember which part it was from, but uh, there wasn't a lot of songs about horror. So for me, at the time, I was a huge Freddy Krueger fan, had a big six-foot poster behind my door. Uh, um, I, it, it just it hit a sweet spot, although I have to admit that I have a, a, a secret place in my heart that I really like when listening to the song Wild Wild West. I didn't like the movie, but the song is, is a whole lot of fun. Nobody did. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that was kind of a remake because it, uh, I don't know if you remember yeah. classic hip hop Wild Wild West. Was, that, oh, that was that was Stevie Wonders. No, the the no, uh, no, no. Cameo. Wasn't it cameo? Yeah, it was cameo that did Wild Wild West, but the um the music uh is the back the backbeat and all that is ripped from uh um Cool Modi. Oh, cool Modi okay. in nineteen eighty seven. Cool Modi, you're right. Yep. But it's uh, the samples I'm talking about from the song are from uh, Stevie Wonder's uh, I Wish. Oh yeah 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 no I was talking about it was basically oh, yeah, the, a remake yeah, that's of I the. Wish. Of the classic 1988 Cool Modi song Wild Wild West. Yeah. So, but they said that um, that it he had the chorus part of that, and then of course he was singing about the movie in between. But the the the, the um, sampling was all for my wish. Which honestly, I think they're Will Smith and Stevie Wonder are probably pretty good friends if he's always pulling this because he, he does that a lot with his music. A lot of people sample Stevie's music because he just had great fucking well, great yeah. Beats. Well, uh, other than James Brown's, what was it, Funky Drummer, that every single rap song throughout yeah. time is used. Oh, shit. <laughs> Never ending. Anyway, Mike. Yeah. Uh, wait, did we, go, did we go with Pat? Pat? Uncle Pat hasn't said anything yet. Oh, okay, well, I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll go then. I mean, I'll give him time fa- to think. My favorite Will Smith song is, obviously, parents just don't understand because, I mean, it's his best song. But, I mean, if, I, if I'm not going to go with that one, I, I, would, I would go with uh, probably his remake of Just the Two of Us. Oh, that's a good song. No, but that's after he left. Well, that, that, so that was a song still. he sang for his first son, the one yeah. that he doesn't talk about anymore. Yes, <laughs> that that's actually a really good one. I mean, that's he's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to remember some of the stuff that I don't know. The I think the the I mean, if we're talking about just Will Smith, I like the uh, theme from uh, Men in Black, the first one. That's yeah. a lot. Of, that's okay. a lot of fun. That's another song he used samples on. Yeah, but still, uh, song did he use for that one? Damn it. I mean, let's face it, all this stuff is really like super produced pop rap, and uh, he just wanted to go out there and make a ton of money. I, I don't think anyone would say that the Will Smith songs were going to be like this groundbreaking, incredible music. No, it's going to be, I mean, what it was is that's going to be him sampling something and ta- telling a story about the uh the movie. They're, yeah, they're, and, club, they're, they're club dance songs that can also get radio play. Yeah. And, and they were really fun and they made a crap load of money. Yep. Yeah. And that your kids can listen to. So it crossed over into different markets and it, it laid groundwork for him to, I mean, the guy's smart as far as he's either that or he's got a really good agent. His songs as, are basically so his, so his, his charisma can ear fuck you, basically. <laughs> Yikes. Much. Wow. He's right, though. I'm not going to say you're wrong, but wow. Yeah. <laughs> Some... <laughs> I mean, um, the dude segued from, you know, being an inoffensive, 
could have been a one-hit wonder to being one of the biggest stars on the planet. Well, I mean, I think after declaring bankruptcy in 1989 and basically getting a reprieve after they offered Fresh Prince of Bel-Air to him, he kind of got it. had to be very humbling. Yeah, he had to get his shit to He's like, okay, I got my second chance. I'm not going to screw it up this time. I'm not going to be MC Hammer. Yeah. Yeah, he got the second chance that Vanilla Ice never got until he was 40 and then it was too late. Vanilla right. Ice is kicking it now, man. Yeah, I see him in all those mac and cheese commercials. He just got arrested again. He's got a t- he's got TV he's, shows that are. You say right? arrested, I say keeping it real. His current <laughs> TV show is very popular and quite good, actually. Keep so, keeping it a hundred, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Your answer to your own question. <clears throat> Dude, I, I I just said Men in Black. Men in oh. Black. Oh, oh yeah, they did. Say but it. what about Mike? Mike's not here. <laughs> wait, 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 My Mike. favorite song. Mike's not here. Oh, that's an album. What? <laughs> I cannot hear, man. Patrick, how about you, man? I already did mine. Yep. All right. So. Jesus Christ, who's smoking here? <laughs> My favorite song is. Oh, not Jesus Christ. Sorry. What? Wait, what are we talking about? We're talking. Because your Jesus Christ sound like Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> it says know. a lot about Joel's religion. <laughs> Anyway, so what's no, next? What's though. next? Uh, after he did Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, his first two major uh, roles in movies were Six Degrees of Separation in 1993, and then he did Bad Boys opposite Martin Lawrence in 95, which I think I... Have any of us seen Six Degrees? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay, I have not seen it. I've seen Bad Boys, though, but I think... Uh, I think it was like where Bad Boys is where he got his reputation of the witty one-liners. Oh, yeah. Which to me is really disappointing because like these are his first two roles. And I think that Six Degrees of Separation until maybe, and we'll talk about this more later, Pursuit of Happiness. This this was probably the thing that I respected him most for. And then what made him famous was Bad Boys, which uh, maybe I'm alone in this, but I, I think it's a completely shitty series well but first of all i think we all watched uh, fresh prince of bel-air probably pretty regularly but, oh yeah um sure well talking about that though i mean you know you look back at the two prior to that where he wasn't the star i mean i think he was kind of trying to feel out the waters a little bit and plus he had a reputation as being the squeaky clean you know uh, prankster jokester that i don't know that everybody took him seriously initially and six degrees of separation i mean i think it's based on a stage play if i'm not mistaken um is a very intense drama with a lot of stuff going on, and he killed it. I mean, he really did for being so early on in his acting career. Well, there are several scenes in you know The Fresh Prince where he shows acting chops. I mean, everybody calls to the one scene that is probably the most famous scene in the whole show. Why don't he want me? Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, I mean, and you, I mean, you just can't watch it without getting a little teary eyed. I mean, he's. Huh. he's you can't you can't deny that he's got the chops even from the beginning. Do well, we all know what we're talking about? I'm looking at it right now. I'm the only one who have has not seen this. Yeah, no, when, it, the whole episode is about how his father comes back, you know, and and promises he's going to take him, you know, on on this you know summer long road trip with him while he drives his truck and stuff. And of course, he you know backs out on him at the last minute, and you know, Will, you know, he's trying to maintain his composure and be the tough guy and everything, but he breaks down, and it's a really good scene. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, just if, oh, I'm saying I'm just looked at the six degrees of separation. The movie and uh, Donald Sutherland, Ian McKellen, he's up against some serious, uh, you know, Stocker Channing. He's got up against some serious actors in there, too. So. And he holds his own. Uh, it is such a I'm this may be a little early to call this, but just looking at the other films we're talking about for this show, this might be, in my opinion, his greatest performance right there at the beginning. He's really, really good in this movie. I'll give you that. I don't. 
I don't know about greatest performance, but he's really good. I mean, well, I think what happened when Bad Boys hit was that they realized that they had somebody that could carry a film and could be a bankable name because he already had laid the groundwork again as as being a squeaky clean image that crossed over between all the races, all the markets, young and old across the board. And since they saw he could carry it and he had that that comedic timing, plus he was able to do action and, and drama, it, it's just like, okay, we've got something here. And they in, ran with in it. Holly, yeah, you're right, because in Hollywood, actors are a dime a dozen, but movie stars are hard to find. That's exactly. Fair. Yeah. Uh, after uh, Bad Boys, 1996, he did Independence Day, which I saw on Independence Day in Disney World. Last week? Last, damn it. Never mind. <laughs> last week? How you doing? <laughs> My name's so, Pat. Calm down, Uncle Pat. Someone get him his blanket. He's getting too cold. <laughs> get off my lawn. In some ways, just like in terms of quality of a movie, I guess you could say that Independence Day is not actually that much better than Bad Boys. But though I kind of hate Bad Boys, despite the fact that it's got a bunch of problems, I kind of reluctantly like Independence Day. Oh, Independence Day is all cheese. But it's fun cheese. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like easy cheese. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's completely because they, they went for the easy shots across the whole thing. I mean, they've got, you know, uh, what's his name? Data playing the scientist. Yeah. Brent you know, Spiner. Brent Spiner playing the scientist. They've, you know, Jeff Goldblum as, you know, it, it, they had, it's a great, what do they call it? Ensemble cast on the whole Son thing. Daniel. <laughs> well, and, and arguably you could say this is kind of where they, Hollywood kind of got the whole idea of this summer blockbuster. And I, I won't say that is the, the start of it, but I th- think you could is, make a really strong case that that's true. That's yeah, that kind of when the whole idea of tentpole came around. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, okay. and they, they realized that if they, they did a big budget movie with the right stars in it and they released it at the right time, they could have, this blockbuster and it didn't have to be you know shakespeare and but it was, okay it was also the, sorry it was it was definitely the genesis of the block of, of the july blockbuster movie starring will smith yeah well right and that became a trend okay. now see whereas i i love bad boys and bad boys too i think tony scott so you do is a great action director and i think they're a lot of fun but <laughs> independence day it was a whole nother level and it's it's one of those it's a popcorn movie like on a Saturday afternoon it's raining outside you got nothing else to do you can put that on and just have fun why because everyone wants to see the White House get blown up and they want to misquote the Welcome to Earthline yeah because <laughs> he didn't really say it but it's more fun to say it that way but yeah so anyway on the whole uh, blockbuster thing in 1996 that thing made 817 million dollars which in now dollars is like 916 million. That's and more than I make in a year. A, <laughs> a sequel titled Independence Day Resurgence is planned to come out in 2016. Yep. It's so someone write that down so we remember that. Welcome to Earth. And before we get too far past it, I do want to uh, let you know that you are not alone, Josh. Um, I think Bad Boys sucks. Aw. Just lazy writing, I think. And just... It's not about the writing. It's about the action. And it's 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 fun. You got to like, pants. I don't like, I, I've never thought Martin Lawrence was funny. I, I'm with you on that. Like, one <sighs> of the worst films I have ever seen ever was Big Mama's House. <laughs> I never saw it because I'm not a Martin Lawrence fan. But I will say the only movie I've ever seen that I liked Martin Lawrence in was Nothing to Lose with Tim Robbins. That was really good. Because he was dialed down a lot. I mean, he was just, you know, I just don't. Yeah, because he was next to Tim Robbins, who every now and then would go, dude, stop it. Yeah, you got to listen to me. I'm Tim Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh-huh. yeah, I saw Bad Boys once. 
I and, own both of them. I've seen them many, many times. Okay. Tay Leone, man. Oh, at the height of her game. Yeah, I, 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 could get, I could definitely understand Tay Leone's love. But yeah, I'd get behind that. Yeah. Hey, oh. Anyway. Bad boy. Moving on. <laughs> so, moving on uh, to Men in Black. Here come the Men in Black. And again, this is just like I said, when they all start, uh, every summer we must have a Will Smith movie. Well, and this one, I think, in, in my opinion, is the one that sealed the deal. This is the one that, that they, they've officially made him the biggest box office star because they put all the, they put all the weight behind it. They did they use the same formula, but this time, I mean, it, it I mean, he's, I he's the lead I now. I mean, he wasn't necessarily the lead in Independence Day because that right. was kind of an ensemble, but now there's no mistaking this is a Will Smith movie. Yeah, absolutely. And it crossed over again to all the different markets, all the different demographics. I mean, even though it's a little bit kind of over the top sometimes for kids, you could take your kids to it safely. And I mean, oh, it spawned a cartoon, it spawned action figures, comic books. I mean, it, it's and, huge. and let us discover what a great scream Will Smith has. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that tunnel scene is great. Yeah, that whole <laughs> that I mean him and again pairing him with Tommy Lee Jones was just genius on this one because I mean you couldn't yeah. get more you know black and better. Black. Yeah, I was gonna say black and white, but <laughs> and you've got Vincent D'Onofrio in his anger suit. He was great too in that role. Recognizable. <laughs> yeah, and you absolutely had to have someone who could play the classic image of the man in the black suit who showed up whenever aliens uh, are around, like making everybody forget. And Tommy Lee Jones was the ultimate straight man. Like you had to have somebody <clears> that throat> was throat> rigid and straight laced. Otherwise, Will Smith's new take on it, the I make this look good, kind of like ruins the concept. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. perfect the only foils. I could even imagine other than Tommy Lee Jones would be Christopher Walken. Holy shit, that would be awesome. <laughs> That, but that's, but that's, I mean, it's already entirely. Yeah. And uh, Christopher Walken has an undercur- undercurrent of weird that I don't think you can get rid of. Right. And I'm if you say like look wise, he would be perfect for a man in black, but sure. Tall, thin, blonde hair, creepy looking. You're thinking of Nazis. <laughs> Wait, Christopher Walken's not a Nazi. I didn't say that. Don't say that. He's going to kill you. Back. We said his name twice. Now you say it three times. He's going to appear. Beetlejuice. Hail! <laughs> You didn't say my name, Pat. Oh I can't do Christopher Walken. <laughs> you really can't. Jesus I'm going to go back to him. I think Vinny Paparino is having a stroke. <laughs> All right. Now, after Men in Black, they decide they're going to see, hey, we paired him up with an old white dude in that one. Let's pair him up with another old white dude. So they throw Gene Hackman and John Voight in the mix with Will Smith and come up with Enemy of the State, which I liked. I thought this was really good. Uh, see, I mean, I don't know. I, I found this was just really generic political thriller, and there's a whole bunch of these, and they're virtually interchangeable. It felt like it felt like something that that John Grisham could have just shit out overnight, right? And, and that's the thing is, it's like which Grisham is this? Oh, this is the Grisham with uh, Will Smith in it. This, yeah, it, it was a very at the time. You know, there was a lot of movies like this coming out, and it was, yeah, it was kind of by the numbers, nothing really special about it, and it's worth watching once, and it's a little bit this, more of a serious role. I like this. Was it. a time in in America when technology was kind of becoming more and more commonplace. People were getting computers in their homes where they hadn't had them before, and people were having all you know 
like the, 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 the people were complaining they didn't know how to set their VCR and everything. Yeah. And everybody started getting paranoid. They're like, everybody can spy on us because we don't know what the hell's going on. They're using all this technology and doing yada yada. And so they just kind of wrote a script to exploit everybody's fear that the government is watching everything you do. And they were right. Nobody understands exactly how a tracer works, <laughs> and nobody yeah, right, understands yeah. how to you know. And they're like, like, then you, in, you know, and you know, it's the first of one of those types of movies where nobody really knows in Hollywood how t- something works, so they just write some kind of fantastical thing, and then you end up with Diane Lane in a car getting hijacked by her OnStar. Like, what happened? That's yeah, not how right. it works. Yeah, <laughs> it's not how any of this works. <laughs> but I mean, you think about it. At the time, you had what conspiracy theory and uh the net the net and eagle eye and you know there was all these movies kind of roughly in this time frame that were very similar and, and yeah it's, it's something it's it's not as forgettable as some of the others but people that don't even leave their house all right you know people that don't even leave their house and watch soap operas, soap operas all day are worried that somebody's spying on their every move i'm like trust me nobody gives a shit about what you're doing oh she wore that muumuu today <laughs> Jot that down. Now, after... Check the Moo Moo Journal. <laughs> next year, we get treated with Wild Wild West. Now, this okay. is... Well, oh, yeah. Fuck. This one is known for being the one that Will Smith decided to do instead of The Matrix. And he yep. has been asked on interviews, do you regret not doing that, not doing The Matrix? And his statement has been, no, because I could not have done it as well as Keanu Reeves did it. Okay. And then he wouldn't have got to hang out with Kevin Klein. Yes. Here's here's my deal with, with Wild Wild West. Number one, um, I just watched uh, the documentary last night, The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened? And they, they talk about how they canceled that movie because they decided it was getting too bloated in the budget and they wanted they went and made Wild Wild West instead and used a lot of the same stuff from they were going to use in that movie in Wild Wild West, which is funny. But ever since I saw this was coming out, and I, I, I admittedly am a Will Smith fan and I have no... I don't I don't have any reason not to say that, um, even if he's unpopular or whatever. But um, I always felt that this movie should have been Kevin Klein in, in the lead and Oliver Platt as the Kevin Klein character. I can't think of the names out. Uh, Artemis Gordon and the other guy. And it would have been it could James, have been West? James, James West. Thank yeah, you. Like, if James West would have been. How crazy Klein, I can think of James. But I can't think of West, which is in the title. I'm like, and James Artemis something. Gordon would have been Oliver Platt. I think it could have been something better. But because they went with this kind of cool, hip uh, Will Smith thing, it it just didn't work. That and Kenneth Branagh was. One of those just, things where Will Smith was too big for the role. He was wrong for the part. And that's like one of like a thousand problems with this movie. Yeah. Oh, yes. The script is just a fucking mess. I've never, I've only seen snippets of this movie. I've never actually seen the whole thing, so I can't remember. Like, I I don't know. I I was a very casual fan of the original television series, and I didn't mind that they were taking it in a more super science steampunk direction because I love Deadlands. I love the combination of wacky mad science and uh, the old West and big monsters. And I thought the idea of a giant robot spider, uh, even though it turned out to be kind of ridiculous in this, I thought it had some merit. But like how all the pieces fit together I I think what frustrated me the most about this is that this is a movie that had all the elements of something I should have liked, but it was so mishandled that that sort of movie's never getting made. Like, no right. one's going to make an awesome super science steampunk Western because everyone's like, oh, well, they did Wild Wild West and it was a pile of shit. <laughs> well, and that, that's that's one of the – yeah, I agree with you because – 
I mean, you think about the original television series or Briscoe County Jr., which is kind of the later counterpart in some ways. You know, you get tech with uh, with old school where it didn't belong and you mix it up and it, it's it's a lot of fun. The whole concept is a lot of fun. But I mean, you, you couldn't have made this any worse if you tried. I mean, it, 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 oh, I regret it's watching that it. bad, huh? I received this uh, film as a Christmas present one year. Uh-oh. You're old friends with that person because of it? I, I think it was like one of the family members that didn't know what the hell to get for me. It ended the relationship. Done. <laughs> I had not seen it. This was like obviously several years after it came out because it was on VHS. <laughs> and uh, I begrudgingly, I was like, okay, someone bought this for me. I haven't actually seen it. I've heard some really bad things about it. I watched it once and destroyed the tape. <laughs> You blow it up with an M80? No, I just I yeah. just uh, smashed the cassette and threw it out. He threatened it with a poodle and a hairbrush. Pat, just look up uh look up and watch some of the last the final sequence with the giant uh no, spider no, and see, Kenneth Brano. To determine for him how awful this is, just look up Wild Wild West cornfield scene. Okay, point oh, taken. Is that the one where yeah. they're running around with the things on their necks? Yes. Yes. I've I've seen bits of that. Yeah. Okay. Now take that and distill it. <laughs> See, Josh is dead on. It's it's a shame because there there's so many moving parts in this that in and of themselves, if they were taken the right way and it wasn't just inflated to such a, an nth degree, it really could have been a cool concept and a lot of fun if there certain parts were were there and they didn't stuff it with all this other crap that didn't belong. And it just it's a damn shame because it would be cool to see something with some of these same things. And I hope that someday they get past it and they do make a, a steampunk something, but. I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. All right. So before we go to break, do we want to spend a little additional time on uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Well, Uh, yeah, we kind of glossed over it. We really did. I I wouldn't mind it. Yeah. I watched it all the time. So, I mean, this was a show that went from 1990 to uh, 1996, uh, kind of cementing uh, Will Smith as the prince of the 1990s. Yep. And it could, uh, you could make a case for it being kind of the younger Cosby type show where once Cosby was kind of starting to peter out and going away, this kind of filled that void and had a, had a safe American family that was all African American that both whites, blacks and every other person in between could enjoy. And it, it was a huge success. I mean, it was a big show for a long time. Yeah, and it even had that very special episode, and <laughs> yeah. you know, and I, I, my favorite part of the entire show had to have been the interaction between Carlton and Will Smith and Will through the whole thing. Well, well sure, relationship kind of grew and changed. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Alfonso Ribeiro <laughs> is no stranger to like sitcoms and being that character, but I think his character was such a, a charming. character caricature that uh, everyone got what his character was about within a couple of minutes of hearing him talk yeah they're like hey it's a black michael j fox <laughs> yeah that's exactly no that's Rhythm. pretty much kind of what yeah. they were going for yeah yeah see my favorite part of the show and I, and I looked forward to it whenever it happened and luckily it wasn't too much of a thing but it was the running gag where uncle phil would throw jazz uh, jazzy out the door <laughs> and it's such a throwaway gag, but it, it was such a it was a running theme throughout the entire episode that Uncle Phil did not like Jeff. And every time he did something stupid and he threw him out the front door and he's like, ah! it just it got me every time. And there were so many other things going on in that show that were really well done and it was written well. And, and it it was one of those kind of things that just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, but yeah, I would I me. would mess with the uncle. 
Yeah, no. You know, though, one of my favorite uncle scenes has got to be where he's he's on the stand, because remember, he was a judge. And he's on the stand, and he's talking to the, whoever, he's, this kid who's being represented. He's like, and I feel that, you know, to get out of trouble, you have to stop hanging out with these low lives and criminals. And as he says that, Will comes out of the back carrying something, puts it down, and it's like, Larry, it's you, man! <laughs> and start they start hugging each other, and then he's like, hey, trying to talk up Larry to his, to his uncle. I like that. That was and funny. <laughs> who who thought that we weren't smart enough to recognize when they switched out Aunt Viv? <laughs> yeah, when they uh, changed the actress. Yeah, she she suddenly well, the next week it was like, wait, what happened to Aunt Viv? You know what happened with that, right? Uh, please she enlighten made, the audience. Demanding more money, and they just said, "All right, we'll just replace you." <laughs> <laughs> yep. She's like, "You can't replace me," and they're like, "Watch us." <laughs> yeah, because they went to the human beatbox. She went to him. And was like, "What do you think I should do? You should. I uh, don't leave. You should threaten to leave." <laughs> Take a stand. It worked for me. <laughs> and then right, so <laughs> I have a few items of trivia, some of which actually uh, ties into stuff we've already talked about. Okay. okay. Uh, the famous shot of Jazz being thrown out of the house. Uh, because it required on-location shooting, there's pretty much only one shot. Uh, there's a couple of exceptions throughout the entire run of the series, but usually they were remaking, uh, they're reusing the same shot of him being chucked out of the house. So they had to find a way to make sure he was wearing that same shirt every time Uncle Phil was going to throw Jazz out <laughs> to, to avoid continuity errors. I'm glad they took that much time in it. Uh, the running gag of Carlton's uh, <clears throat> dance. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows his Carlton dance. Well, it was actually a parody of the dance that Courtney Cox did in the uh, oh, Springfield. Bruce Springsteen. Yep, Bruce. for Dancing in the Dark. Yep. Oh. Yeah, he was basically doing her dance from that video. That's awesome. And uh, much earlier, we talked about the famous scene where when Will's father immediately leaves him after this visit where he promises all these things and then at the end calls and says, I'm sorry, I got to take off. His speech, which uh, remains one of the most famous and downloaded moments from the entire six seasons of the show, was entirely ad-libbed by Will Smith. And uh, oh. James Avery, who played Uncle Phil, was so moved by the ad-lib speech that he immediately hugged uh, Will before the scene ended. Ah, all of that was entirely impromptu. That makes it even more awesome. Yeah, huh? Uncle Phil, don't mess with Uncle Phil, man. Mess My favorite one was um, when they got when uh, they got lost when Carlton and and um, oh shit, mm-hmm. officer, his name hey, Will. Will, thank Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> How can I remember Carlton but not Will? I uh, have no idea, especially yeah. since he's the topic. <laughs> Who's the topic? What? <laughs> well, yeah, they're driving around, they get lost, and they get pulled over and everything, and it turns into a whole, you know, where we pulled over because we were black kind of thing. And, like, the scene when Uncle Phil shows up at the jail to get them out of jail, between the two of them, because Vivian's with him, too, and <laughs> it, it's a it's a great scene. I highly recommend looking it up on YouTube. When he reached, I mean, because you talk about, like, you know, being a, a, you know intimidated by the guy, that's an intimidating scene by him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He just lowers the boom on these cops. (laughs) Do you guys remember the name of Uncle Phil's law firm? Uh, Do we cheat him and... How? No. (laughs) No, it's Firth, Wynn, and Meyer. Oh. Yeah, a direct reference to Earth, Earth, Wind, and Fire because Quincy Jones was the executive producer of the show, and he was a huge fan of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. Neat. So what do you think, guys? Should we take a break and then come back? Yes. Yeah, I think this is a good spot for it. Right on. We'll be back in a little bit.
I was waiting for a Joel Christopher Walken at one point or another there. <laughs> I already did the Christopher Walken, and it was terrible. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> wow. <laughs> did Woody Allen. I don't know what happened. That was Woody <laughs> Allen doing Christopher Walken. That's amazing. I can't believe you're that good. <laughs> See, that's, I might, it's all about layers. My impressions are all about layers. Oh, my God. His, yeah, his impressions are like seven-layer dip. Yeah, you got layers like a wino. <laughs> Lots of layers. Nobody wants it. I don't know. I'm trying. Right. Let me call this. I'll get back to you after the break. <laughs> All right. I love seven layer dance. Lots of layers and full of olives. I don't know. <laughs> Christopher Walken is like a parfait. He's got cream on the top and the bottom. <laughs> I respect women when I'm on a date. I take them to the park or maybe a museum and I only try to kiss them if they're ready. Woohoo! What, what, what? What is it? What, what? Help out your mom and dad by getting a job so you can help pay for school supplies. Woohoo! Say ho! Wipe your shoes on the mat when you come in the house. Someone just clean that floor. Woohoo! Say what, what? Ha <laughs> ha! Hello, we are back and ready to talk about Will Smith now. 2000. So- yeah, I kind of feel there are a few movies that stand out from our now period, but I don't know. There are a lot of misfires well, in here. 2000, he does The Legend of Bagger Vance. Golf movie. Golf movie? Okay. With Matt Damon. Okay, well, and it was also kind of the start of the him trying to transition into feel-good dramas. Yeah, and he plays the... Uh the semi-magical black man kind of character with the, all the wise things to say and just like a really just trite character. Uh, is there a crossroads in it? <laughs> no, but Leonard, it's like Leonard Part 6, but with golf. Ah. <laughs> it's nothing like that. No, unless, I, I, it's... Unless onset rape. I, oh. Yikes. Oh. Damn it, Pat. God. Damn you, Pat. Just for that, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my Christopher Walken again, very terribly. Anyway, <laughs> over here, uh, <laughs> over here. <laughs> this is one of those movies that is is incredibly forgettable. Like I saw it, but I don't remember anything about it other than that it was just kind of me. I don't yeah, remember. I never really if had I saw it desire. Yeah, nope, no desire. I saw it because I heard so he was much in bad it. press about it. I was like, okay, no, don't want to see it. But then in yeah. 2001, we got Ali and Patrick watched this one and to die. And yeah. I did. this was what I watched. Unfortunately, for a day and a half, as it turned out, <laughs> he watched the director's director's cut. Yeah, I kept trying I, for so many reasons. I had to keep restarting it, and just whatever. I mean, and it was not worth the effort at all. I mean, this was—I'd heard good things about this movie. I mean, Will Smith was nominated, I think, wasn't he, for an Oscar? Yep. And he was great in this movie. I mean, don't get me wrong, but the movie itself—I just, it just. It never seemed cohesive. It never seemed like it really had a... Uh, it didn't know what kind of a story it wanted to tell about his life. It just... All it was was like it just a... Um, what do they call it when when you just take a movie? It's just like a cross-section of life. A biopic? <laughs> <laughs> a biopic. But no, it's like, it's like they, they didn't even like like tell a story like, you know, at least like... you know, A slice of life. Slice no. of life, yeah. It's, it's like they just take a, you know, a couple years of his life, you know, from when he started... Uh, when he was almost a champion and he would, you know, you didn't see any of his early struggle. He was almost a champion. And then you see him become a champion and you see him defend his fight, his title. And you see him go through his Vietnam stuff. And then, and then you see him make another fight and then it's just done. Like, I mean, it, it doesn't really, I mean, it seems like it, and, and like the women in his life, they don't, 
don't really, none of them have any kind of personality or any kind of character. They're just in and out and in and out and in and out. You know, and he's just like, whatever, I'm moving on to the next one. You know, it was just See, a really disjointed movie. Here's where I maybe get a little unpopular with some people, but not on the show. But at this time, there were, there were kind of four movies that came out that were all kind of similar. You had Ali and the Hurricane. You had, and you had, um, Ray and Walk the Line. And Ray and Ali, I, I didn't like at all. And whereas Walk the Line and Hurricane were very good and very well done movies. This, I, I agree with Pat 100%. I mean, it's just one of those things that I think they wanted to make something great and they just, they didn't have it. They didn't have their crap together before they yeah. got into it. Cause there's such a, I mean, his life story is, it, there's so much to tell. I mean, it, and, it just seemed like they just wanted to tell it, – it, it was almost like they were making a documentary, but they were trying to make a documentary into a movie. Like they did, there was no passion to anything. Like none of it – I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It just, it just seemed like they just didn't know where they were going with it. Well, it's like that scene in Futurama where um, Zab Brannigan brings the big pile of, of plans to Richard Nixon, and he says, pick which one. You know, oh, and yeah. he just points at one and he's like, no, not that one. And they keep doing it until he goes with the one he wants. They, it's like they just laid out a bunch of chapters from a book about Ali and said, OK, which chapters do we want to use? And then they just didn't connect them. I don't know. It just was it's not worth the time. Yeah, it's opinion. like they just took they just took his biography and just put it on film. They didn't even you know bother to try to make it compelling, which it is naturally. It's amazing to me that you could make somebody somebody who has such an interesting life seem so boring on film. Just like Ray. I loved Ray. I hated Ray. Yeah. I, I thought it was like good. It. I didn't yeah. like it at all. Anyway, well, we're not talking about Jamie Foxx. That's another show. We're talking about, after a couple of years of that, Wild Wild West, Bagger Vance, and Ali, they went, you know, let's go with what we know. <laughs> and then they knocked out Men in Black 2 and Bad Boys 2 in two years, next two years. Uh, Men in Black yeah. 2 was fun. Yeah, I think that, like, if you liked Men in Black and Bad Boys, you liked Men in Black 2 and Bad Boys 2 because they were more of the same. And that's not always a bad thing. Right. No, I mean, you know, Men in Black 2, what do you, why do you go to see it? You go to see it to see Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith shoot down aliens. Now, I think the post office scene in the very beginning is hilarious because they, they take, uh, Tommy Lee Jones and turn him into a postmaster for a little town on the coast. And he winds up working with aliens. Remember that? Mm -hmm. I thought yes. that was every one of the post, every one of the people working there is an alien. Yeah, including Bismarcky, I think. Yep. Yep. So, but uh, no, I mean it's more of the same, more crazy weapons, more of the, the you know, noisy cricket. Yeah. Yeah, noisy cricket, crazy, more things blowing up, and it's the same stuff. It's fun, and, it, and it's a little bit more fun. To, to be on the side now instead of, you know, in, instead of Will Smith being the everyman and, and you're seeing everything for the first time, it's like now you're kind of in on the joke. You know the things that are going on and somebody else is the, the everyman. Right, right. Yeah, you've got your established characters, so add new plot, mix, and let sit for two hours and there you go. Whereas Bad Boys 2, as much as I really enjoyed it, it was about a half an hour too long. There was a, it was just a bit too excessive, but it, it I think it was again, about three and a half hours too long. <laughs> wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah, the movie's like two and a half hours. Really, wow. it's really long. And it had, it had one Martin Lawrence too many. <laughs> Aww. Well, I was trying to like back time it to where it would include both movies. I didn't realize that that was too <laughs> Okay, then it was about four and a half hours too long. Yes, and they said, all right, cool, Men in Black 2, Bad Boys 2, we got it, we're back in the groove. Let's do Jersey Girl. Yeah, it's two hours and 27 minutes, I just looked it up. Damn. To be fair, I mean, we're including Jer Jersey Girl because Mil Will Smith appeared in it, but this isn't really a Will Smith vehicle. No. no but I don't the fact remember him in that movie. It's, um, 
What was the scene? I barely uh, remember that movie, though, to be honest with you, because I was not impressed with it. Wasn't he at like an office and he was sitting in the office? Wait, he was waiting to go into an interview or something. Well, that's the pursuit of happiness. No. <laughs> and and uh, whoever was there, whoever was the, not, I don't know if it was Ben Affleck or not, but he's like, hey, I know this guy. And it's, I think he plays himself, if I remember correctly. No, that's Independence Day. No, it's not. Shut up. All of you. <laughs> Eat a big bag of dicks. It's Shark Tale. Yes. No, Here, I just found it. He's sitting in the office and uh, in this waiting for an interview, and he t- gives advice to Ben Affleck about being a parent. You're, oh, you're thinking about parents just don't understand. Yeah. You can go to hell. <laughs> uh, go. So he Straight. wasn't in that one. Then we do s'more sci-fi. <laughs> I, Robot. Josh, you haven't seen this? Uh, I've seen enough of it to know that I do not want to see this film. Because it strays too far from the book? And because just everything I've seen is just like mindless action with a barely comprehensible plot. It wasn't as bad as you you think it would be. It was Okay. I mean, yeah. maybe the trailers combined with the fan reaction to it put it in I didn't a hate it. favorable light. Yeah. It, w- it was exactly what it was supposed to be. It was a summer blockbuster movie. You know. Yep. Loosely based on uh, a book. Yeah. I I liked it. I mean, I I thought the the special effects were good. The action was good. It, it's again, it's kind of one of those things that if you're hanging out on the weekend and you got nothing else to do, it's fun watch. But yeah, it's it's it not gonna, gonna yeah, it's not gonna make you think or anything. I mean, the big yeah. you know, all the big twists are kind of obvious and stuff like that. But I mean, it's not life changing. Yeah, I own it just because it's fun and it's Will Smith. I actually and, own it too, believe it or not. Uh, my father owned it, so now I own it. <laughs> Josh had it on VHS, but he destroyed it. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I expect a little bit more out of my sci-fi than just like fun dumb. Yeah, which is I can, weird I can, because I like Independence Day and it's it's kind of a dumb movie. But the, you're you're just mad because iRobot has been dumbed down. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's a particularly good vehicle for a film anyway. I mean, it's not like Independence Day was a great novel that got dumbed down. You know? Right. There's no, there's no insult to Independence Day. There's a you book. Never read, you never read William, William Fark, Faulkner's Independence Day? Damn it, I messed up the <laughs> joke. <laughs> I'm the only one that fucked up my William own. William Faulkner. Faulkner. <laughs> uh, he said fart. Oh, damn it. Shut up, Uncle Pat. <laughs> Yeah, I just I don't know. This this isn't a a book that really translated well and would I don't know that it could have been translated well into summer blockbuster and been remotely faithful. Right. So you're you're not gonna have like, oh, let's do Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner as a summer blockbuster. Just imagine the next time you hear like you know uh, Chris Pratt stars in the next summer blockbuster, Flowers for Algernon. Oh (laughs) pretty sure that's gonna be faithful. The old man by the sea. <laughs> the old man and the sea. No, he's watching something different. You don't I'm want to see that one. Movie. He's watching yeah. the, the, the Otis Redding story. So after iRobot, Shark Tale. <laughs> gotta There's keep, a joke grenade right there. Keep this yep. train going. I kind of feel about Shark Tale the way I feel about all DreamWorks films. They're fine kids' movies so long as you don't compare them to Pixar. Like Pixar has consistently like creative, amazing stuff and DreamWorks just kind of does this okay, inoffensive kid stuff. Yep. It's fine. You're not going to see any shreds of brilliance the way you see in like Up or Toy Story or even Ratatouille. DreamWorks is like Pepsi and Pixar is like Oak. (laughs) To be fair, this was at the time when when I think DreamWorks was still trying to figure out exactly how to do it. 
Because this one is really terrible. Yeah, it's not great. But then they once they got their legs and and had some success, they kind of realized the right formula that was just enough off of Pixar. What was the last Dreams DreamWorks movie? What wasn't the last DreamWorks movie? They make one every every. No, I'm, I'm talking about animated kids movie. Last DreamWorks. Uh, no, I mean just like just like Pixar, they released them regularly. So do they? Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever read the Maddox article comparing DreamWorks and Pixar, but um, uh, that kind of solidified my opinion. And I hate to just quote because some of his stuff reads like a slightly more obscene version of a Cracked.com article. Yep. But I think that uh, he hit the nail on the head where you've got these incredibly imaginative, creative uh, stories that appeal to adults and kids alike with Pixar and then DreamWorks have animals making a smirky face and talking in ways animals don't normally talk. Pat, here you go, just so you know what we're talking about. Well, of course, Shrek is the one that I think kind of solidified them as being a contender, but Megamind, Kung Fu Panda, uh, the Madagascar films. Uh, most recently, they did Peabody and Sherman, How to Train Dragon 2, Penguins of Madagascar, and then Home, which that one, I think, just left the box office. Didn't yeah. do real well. I mean, it did. Yeah, and all the of money the back. ones that you mentioned have at least one animal making the stupid DreamWorks smirk. And having animals talking straight for no reason. I mean, there's other ones in there like the Crudes, uh, Rise of the Guardians. Um, but yeah, I mean, they make stuff that's inoffensive and it's fun. And some of it's as, as better than others. And, and some of it's really good, but it's, it's not like, like Josh said, like Pixar, where there's a message, there's heart to it. There's sure something that's, that's above just a something to, spend some time on and i think i enjoyed shark tale because i was able to like okay i i know that i generally like pixar and dislike dreamworks i'm going to do my best to just like watch a kid's movie and try not to compare them too much and it was fine not great it was meh as as a father of children we watched it once thankfully they never wanted to buy it wait which one shark tale shark tale Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I like the Rastafarian jellyfish. The whole car wash musical number at the beginning was kind of cool. Eh, it was fine. Yeah. Then there's Hitch after that. I have it's not a fun seen movie. it. Yeah. Hitch is a, a relationship romantic comedy. Basically, uh, Will Smith plays a character who is known as being a date consultant. He takes guys that are unlucky in love and tries to teach them how to have game. Is this the one with uh, Paul Blart? Yeah. Yes, with yes. Kevin Smith. Kevin, Kevin Smith. James. No, Kevin James. Good Lord, Joel. What's wrong with wrong you? Wrong fat I don't Kevin. Know. <laughs> Um, and this, this one's all right. I mean, there's some funny things. It's got the predictable romantic comedy plot twists and, uh, somebody tells a lie and it's misinterpreted and everything goes wrong and everybody's yeah, happy and in love by the end. A yeah, person jaded in love and, you know, will, will eventually be cracked by this amazing person. So it's right. kind of like let go. a male version of, um, God, what was that bride movie? Friend of the Bride or something of the Bride or some Bridesmaids? Bride, something like that. <laughs> Brideshead Revisited. Yeah, that's too. The Old Man <laughs> and the Bride. It's got the same kind of message as all of these. Make sure that your love and relationship is exactly like everyone else's and you will find happiness. Speaking of happiness, the next movie on the I, list. Sorry, oh. go ahead. I, 
I was going to drag us into the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, go ahead. That's but, fine. So that was a good transition. Don't yeah. fuck it up. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly why I stopped. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll let it go. <laughs> Where they misspelled happiness. But now, now we've, you know, I've destroyed it enough now, so it doesn't really matter. Well, here's where Will kind of could have taken a turn back into being a, a bankable star. And I think to some, in some regards, the next two movies after this one, he kind of carried that on. Maybe even the one beyond that, I didn't see it, but... Um, here you've got a, a very straightforward, serious role um, telling the story of a, a man and his son who are basically living out of a, a shelter and trying to make it work. I mean, does that kind of seem the basic plot? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you've got a guy who has made some bad choices and been dealt some pretty bad cards. And like the way the story is told, you can see how these little things that happen. You're like, you know, this could happen to anybody. And he finds himself having to take care of his kid, having to try and make things work and being homeless and trying to provide a good life for his son and uh, eventually persevering, risking everything on a free internship that could lead to a big money job and eventually does. Oh, but shit. it's a very unwill Smith kind of what they had gotten used to over the years because he doesn't look like himself. He's not prettied up. He's very straight you know and and everything is it's you know it's got a nice message and it's kind of a feel-good thing in the end but it's not you know one-liners and all that stuff i I enjoyed it quite a bit it is probably the only thing i can think of in his career aside from just the two of us where he focuses on a father-son relationship and it doesn't come out overwrought and cheesy I may be betraying my feelings about some of the later films <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. That we're going to talk about. And let's move into this one. I Am Legend, 2007. Oh, God, now, we're going to have two rants from me in a row. Wait, wait, wait. Now, before we get into this one, how many of us have read the uh, Richard Matheson's book? Uh, years after I saw this, I read it. Okay. I've it's read it on, also. It's on my list, but I've seen, I think, just about every adaptation that's been made of it. Well, you need to read it, and then you will understand why Josh is going to do this rant. Well, I mean, we need to post this to the Facebook page or something, because I thought this movie was forgettable and had a kind of a disappointing ending. And then I saw the original ending that was shot and that was included on the DVD release, and I became angry. Because the original ending makes the movie make sense. I mean, the way the theatrical cut ends, you've got this story where this guy, his family and everybody else had to leave because there's this disease or mutation or something that's turning all of these, everybody else into creatures. And it's just him and a dog. And he is a scientist and he's trying to figure out uh, how to cure the disease to move forward. And he's capturing the creatures and he's experimenting on them, and he's working his way as he's losing his mind uh, towards a solution. And in the theatrical cut, it ends with this big action sequence where he ends up kicking ass through the mob of uh, bad things and sacrificing himself to get the cure to the girl that he met earlier, and this kind of bittersweet happy ending. Yep. And 
it's just an awkward, sour note. But it was like, okay, the ending wasn't great. And then I saw the actual ending, which if you change the ending that they first shot and didn't test very well, you ruin the title of the film. The whole point was in the original ending is that these creatures are an a divergent evolutionary path from humanity. And I Am Legend refers to the fact that to them, he is the monster. He's the person that captures them out of nowhere in the night and does terrible experiments on them. Mm-hmm. And the entire time they're, he thinks they're attacking him, it's just one of them trying to get his mate back from this horrible, monstrous villain that is experimenting on her and hurting her. And in the original ending, when the big leader of these creatures busts in, he takes the broken, tortured body uh, of his lover and his mate that Will Smith's been experimenting on and just looks at him disgusted and just kind of roars at him and looks sad for a minute and then leaves. And seeing that that ending, the like audience is, well, I don't like that. That's not a happy ending. Mm-hmm. It's like, you stupid, rotten fucks. <laughs> Whoa. Here we go. You ruined what could have been an amazing film Mm -hmm. because you are too stupid to recognize that a happy ending was inappropriate. Oh, it just makes me mad. Yeah. And it's even more, more salt in the wound when you have to read the book. Because then you realize that the original, the original uh, story is so similar to that ending that they should have had. So Yeah, we'll post it to the Facebook page. Like, if you've seen this film and thought it was forgettable because of the kind of crappy ending, watching the film with the original ending restored takes it from being a kind of a mediocre film to being actually a very good one. Yeah, see, I definitely want to see that ending now. Well, and here's here's my take on it. I, I um, Like I said, I've never read the book. I saw uh, The Last Man on Earth first. And I absolutely love that movie. It's it's one of my favorite Vincent Price films. Um, and then I saw The Omega Man with Charlton Heston, which um, is, and from what I understand, a lot closer to the book as far as the way that the the, the creatures are portrayed. Um, and again, another great telling. I didn't see the um, whatever the one with Mark Dacascos is, but anyway, I saw this one, and I at first I was really hesitant. I'm like, okay, Will Smith is in this role that I've grown accustomed to with these other actors, and I was afraid it was going to be terrible. And I I agree with you wholeheartedly, Josh. That throughout the entire thing, I was like, wow, this is actually really good. Aside from the horrible special effects, it was really a solid film. And then at the end, until I saw the 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 alternate ending, I was like, holy crap, they just, it, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that, but they needed to get the special effects fixed, too. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, I mean, th- this was the time where they're kind of, of smoothing out the new CGI. Keep in mind, this is before Avatar. It was yep. pretty garbagey. Yeah, but after Jurassic Park. Yeah. But why, I would I would say still watch it, but, you know, just watch the alternate ending and and you can decide. Because it, it, it is a good movie. I mean, and all, all, I think so anyway. Yeah, I, I think that if you could get a cut that just has the theatrical ending cut out and the original ending cut back on, this would actually be a very good film. Mm-hmm. Right on. Now, how about Hancock? Him, uh, Charlize Theron. Uh, Jason Bateman, in, I think, a really funny role for him, and Eddie Marson. Marson? Marson. Yep. And Jake Ferrich. The second time that he has collaborated with Charlize Theron, uh, was, uh, she was also in Legend of Bagger Vance. So, produced by uh, Will Smith and Michael Mann and James Lasseter. Uh, yeah, known for... Booty John's co- brother? Booty, no, unfortunately not, I don't think so. Uh-huh. 
No Tyrion's brother. Uh, he was. Oh. He's he's known for things like he said Lasseter, not Lannister. Booty call oh. and he's known for paying his debts. Yes, there <laughs> you go. Um, so we've all seen this. Yeah. I just saw this today for the first time. What'd you think? This movie makes me sad because the first half I was so into it. Like, uh, from the moment Hancock is introduced to his whole, like, redemption arc in jail, learning how to interact with people, and then the, uh, like, him actually putting all of his lessons to use in the bank heist, I was like, this is a really good movie. And then they get into the, uh, origins of who he is and why he is what he is. And then suddenly he gets thrown through a refrigerator and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, and the movie just goes to crap for the second half. And the ending's fine again. But I think part of the big problem is like his weakness and how it's all explained. It's very wibbly wobbly. Like he's weak when the plot needs him to be and he's strong when the plot needs him to be. And there's no consistency about it whatsoever. And it just kind of made me sad because I wanted to see more of what I saw in the first half. Because if I had just turned off the movie at the end of the bank heist scene, I would have been satisfied. And I would have thought Hancock was a good movie that was only an hour. Yeah, they decided to take what they had, which was a good story, and just add this other element just because they felt like they needed more. And I was like, no, I just want to hear more about the disgruntled superhero <laughs> who's trying to like learn how to be a superhero. Yeah, he's this homeless asshole. Yeah. Right. And uh, he's the only superhero, and he's considered as much of a hindrance as he is a help. By, by the citizens and politicians of L.A. And it's also just it's a it's a more interesting story, a more realistic telling of what a what like having a superhero in the real world would be like. And, excuse me, what it's like having powers and and what that does to a person too. But I in mean, general, I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm talking about like you know how in the in the superhero world you never see you know the the aftermath of the fight between you know whatever's you know and like here here you're getting to see like the cops are like yeah we're tired of you tearing shit up <laughs> yeah stop throwing our whales. <laughs> Well, and this is a guy who has so much power that he doesn't have to care. And people don't appreciate him anyway, so fuck it. I thought yeah. that it was so good, and then it was so not. It had a lot of potential. Is, yeah, like I think, yeah. two and a half stars, like four stars for the first hour, and then average it out to two and a half stars by the time I was done. Uh, yeah. Has Patrick, you've seen Seven Pounds? Yes. Have you it's seen the movie, too? Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, um, this movie, uh, Josh, you wanted a movie without a happy ending. Watch this movie. <laughs> uh, I love sadness. Yeah, this movie. Um, I don't remember much about it other than it was very heavy and depressing. He plays a guy who um, has a huge weight on his conscience, and basically he's doing all kinds of things to try to atone for what he thinks he needs to atone for. And you don't, I mean, the whole movie, you don't really know what it's about. You just kind of like, you know, the whole movie is about unraveling the mystery of what he did and how he feels like he needs to atone. And it ends, um, in a, in an interesting way, not a happy way. So, <laughs> nope. I know okay. the story. I didn't see the movie, but I've heard good things about it. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, uh, it, I didn't, I, I, I'm not unhappy. I watched it. It was a decent movie. Well, that's good. Now then we come up with 2012 men in black three. Who has not seen this? Me. Oh, okay. You actually, I think you're missing out on this one. This is the one where um, Tommy Lee Jones has amnesia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I have seen it. Okay. Yeah. And, and he's um, replaced by James Brolin. Let's yeah. see if anyone notices. Well, he's not really... He, James Brolin plays a young... Young, right. Aging, but, and Josh Brolin. Very good job, yeah. Yeah, and he does, yes. he does a really good job. Michael Brolin, right. Josh, what? 
His name is Josh Brolin. I, his name is Josh Brolin. His name is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. I mean, it's it's God. Screw you guys. Well, they also they also replaced um, Q. No, K. K. No, K. The, the the Rip Torn character that K. Well, yeah. I mean, K. Zed dies. K. Zed dies, and Emma Thompson replaces as Agent O, the new That's head. It. Yeah. I mean, it's again more of the same. Although it's got an awesome turnout from Bill Hader playing Andy Warhol. Yeah, that was really good. Agent yeah. W. That was that was great. Oh, uh, Will Arnett was in it, too. And yeah. who doesn't like Will Arnett, really? You can't trust yeah, so anybody who doesn't like one. Will Arnett. I if I found somebody who didn't like Will Arnett, I wouldn't even talk to him. And also, you know, Lady Gaga is in it, so I mean, oh, it's really it's the perfect movie. <laughs> So, Although they do show Lady Gaga basically on a cameo poking fun at herself as an alien. Yep. So there's that. So all right. <laughs> and then you there's too, Uncle Pat. After Earth. After Earth. After Earth. Josh, you and I have seen this. This is another one I saw today, and I want my two hours back. Yeah, pretty much. This is Will Smith going, Hey, meet my son. Maybe yes. he can be an actor too. To which we respond, No, you're wrong. That's the thing. It's like Willow and Jaden Smith. We talked about them a little bit at the top of the show. Like, well, for one thing, when you name your two kids as like little clone names of you and your wife and then raise them in this weird environment where they don't have to interact with reality and then like push them into superstardom, there's going to be some weird things that come out. But keep in mind that that Jaden, before he kind of tried to separate himself and make himself his own person in the pursuit of happiness in the karate kid he's actually not bad i mean he's he's a decent actor but then he started to go off the deep end because of right like what you're talking about and now he's who he is now <laughs> well and also he had he had restrained little kid roles and i i in the pursuit of happiness he was fine i didn't think he was very good in the karate kid either i agree with that he has a difficult time enunciating and pronouncing words and actually showing any emotion in his voice when he is called on anything aside from very simple childlike i'm hungry i'm sad i love you daddy well, you yeah, can handle him, that anytime any, anytime it's time to emote all you do is just crinkle your forehead yeah and uh, the fact that he had so much to carry for this, and the story is kind of nonsense. M. Night Shyamalan directing and co-wrote the screenplay. And it's like they crash on an Earth where everything has evolved to kill humans, but there are no humans on the planet. So how did that happen? <laughs> That's not how evolution works. Let's do I, this in I'm, case they come back. I'm evolving <laughs> to fight the Easter Bunny. And I will put money on you. Let's start <laughs> selling tickets to that right now. My money's on the Easter Bunny, hands down. My pants. And I guess as far as the sci-fi action goes, like if you could ignore Jaden Smith's acting, it's just a mediocre sci-fi thriller. Meh. Yeah. It was okay. It makes Is it, it better or worse than, uh, than Wild Wild West? Earth? Uh, it's definitely worse than Battle. Oh, Battlefield Earth. Oh crap! I thought we were talking about. Wow, that's that's, that's 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 two lumps of shit right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <of> the crap. <laughs> uh, that's seven pounds of shit. Well, I wouldn't get an enema for me either, though. So let's leave it at that. Whoa, I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know that that was a unit of measurement. Now, <laughs> how many enemas would you take from this movie? What? <laughs> 
How many enemas would you take to not have to see this movie again? <laughs> this movie's fantastic. I give it four colossomy bags. <laughs> How many surfing. enemas would you sit through to watch this movie? I give Godfather five enemas. Be surfing the big E. <laughs> All right. So we've got some upcoming <laughs> projects here. One uh, actually was released last year, but none of us has seen it. Winter And I kind of want to. Yeah. Yeah. Starring um, Colin Farrell. Jennifer Connelly, ooh, William Hurt, ah, yeah, and Russell Crowe. Man, Will Smith's down at the bottom of the list on this one. Yeah, but it's like I, I enjoy – this is an adaptation of Shakespeare's play of the same name? Uh, it doesn't involve a couple having consumption. Oh, no, it isn't. Well, that's oh, wow, it looks, looks like uh, this also got panned by critics. This is based on a novel of the same name by Mark Helprin. I've never heard of this movie. Neither have I. Uh who has written a satire on Prince Charles and Princess Diana, which I'm sure was a thrill. In 2005, he wrote that. Will Smith plays Prince Charles. Yeah, no one's seen it. Let's keep moving. Focus just came out a couple. That's recent, yeah. Well, February. Uh, yeah, I was thinking of The Winter's Tale by William Shakespeare, and this is totally not that. No. That, that makes me sad. <laughs> I would see a Will Smith in a in a Shakespearean film. Yeah, like Kenneth Branagh style. Yeah, yeah. Or even, or yeah, or even like um, what's his name? Crap, the black and white one that they did after with all the people from Firefly. Uh, ah, I know the, what you're talking. Yeah, about. The Joss yeah, the Joss Weed, the Joss Whedon one. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, definitely see it. Okay, it's, so Focus uh, came out this year. Yes. Uh this uh, winter, in fact, like February. It's a rom com. Yeah, and this is going to be the first of uh, two films where you've got Will Smith uh, and Margot Robbie. Robbie? Robbie? Robbie. Robbie. Uh, Robbie. 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 Who we uh, talked about a little bit when we uh, talked about The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, it, um, ooh, excuse me. Involves pickpocketing and nightclub. I, I have no idea what this movie's about. It's about grifting, like uh, running long and short cons. Trying to uh, trick people into giving up bigger and bigger scores. Why wouldn't you just watch The Grifters? Uh, I mean, this is weird. And this is a newer film. Okay. Like, it's uh, there doesn't have to be only one heist film. Why should there only be one con man film? Okay. And then he has Concussion, is an upcoming American sports drama film written and directed by Peter Landsman, based on a GQ article called Game Brain. Stars Will Smith, Albert Brooks, Alec Baldwin... Guru Matabara, Paul Reiser, and Luke Wilson. It focuses on uh, forensic pathologists and neuropathologists who discover CTE in the uh, NFL players, which leads them to suicides. Hmm. That should be interesting. Sounds like an uplifting uh, story of love and redemption. Yeah, completely. Uh, and from out. suicide to suicide. Yeah, and then we've got Suicide Squad, which looks... Coming soon. Which the uh, trailer for that just came out on like, last face. week. Will Smith as Deadshot. Uh, man, I haven't really seen it. That's a lie in the show notes. Reserving judgment until I've actually seen it. But I'm just from the the pictures I've seen of Will Smith. I'm afraid he's going to Will Smith it up a little bit more than it needs to be for the character. Yeah, I mean, he seems. Granted, Floyd Lawton is the least villainous of the villains of the Suicide Squad, but it's also kind of cringy. His big line was like, "Yeah, we're the Patsies. We're some sort of Suicide Squad." It's like, okay, dude, you just said the title of the movie. Drink. <laughs> According to our friend Dennis, is the if you say the name of the movie in the movie, then that may, means the movie is terrible. That's his is, theory. Is that a rule? A hard and fast rule? I haven't seen that it's been proven, but 
and and again, imagining Doctor Rex Reed, this really is Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. See, I'm I'm not on board with it. And the more that I watch it, the less I want to see it. But I think that what could happen, and I'm not going to say one way or the other that you know it's good, bad, or indifferent, because for all I know, it could be the best movie ever made. Uh, that my expectation was will be so low that when I see it, it can only be better than what I'm picturing in my head. So, well, and I think that for me, like I'm almost completely turned around on the idea of Will Smith as being fairly decent casting for Deadshot, and it's really going to come down to. There's all these questionable decisions they've made with the film and how it uh, works into the, like, Batman versus Superman universe. How much can Will Smith and Margot Robbie carry this film? And she looks awesome as Harley. She looks like she was born to play Harley, in my opinion. And it does look like they're giving her a hell of a lot of focus. Yeah. So if she is good enough to overcome some of the other questionable decisions made, this could actually be okay. Well, to be quite honest, and everything that I've seen so far, it almost looks like she's the main character yeah. in a lot of regards. I mean, they even in the trailer, I mean, they put a lot of spotlight on her as being kind of the linchpin of the whole film. And uh, the version of the team from the comic books that they're t- focusing on for Suicide Squad, the film, she is the central character. She's the bankable character of the comic as well. So that makes sense. We'll see. We'll have to talk about it when it comes out. Yep. I mean, I I personally think it looks like your, your standard superhero movie, well, supervillain movie. And I'm really hoping, like you guys said, I hope that it's not Will Smith playing Agent K with a gun that doesn't shoot crickets. <laughs> well, I, I think there's going to be a little less of him with his, like, street-savvy, wisecracking type. And we're going to see a little bit more of uh, shades of his character from Pursuit of Happiness, except something that happens where his life falls apart. He doesn't get the job. He loses his kid and finds out he's an awesome sniper. You know, the yeah. alternate ending. <laughs> Set on the Disney on the Blu-ray? Yeah. Right on. All right. So that's what we got for this week. So uh, do, do we have anything else to say about the uh, career of Will Smith? Uh, we want to do our favorites. Yeah. So let's start with Patrick. Favorite Will oh, Smith movie. Boy. Favorite Will Smith movie. Um, Do it, Uncle Pat. Do it. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> uh, obviously, bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, come back to me. Give me a second to look over this. That's a terrible movie. I was not prepared movie. at all I for know, this. No, I don't test. remember that movie. I was all not right. prepared for this test. Joel. Okay. Um, for me, I'm actually going to take Pat's answer because um, although I think. The best movie he made was probably Six Degrees of Separation on quality, but for rewatchability and fun, Bad Boys would be top of my list, and the bottom of the list would be Wild Wild West. Well, I agree with your bottom of the list. You like my bottom. (laughs) I'm going to go with the Men in Black series. They are what they claim to be, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones chasing down aliens. In black. uh, I'm not looking for more. You know, I just want a good popcorn movie. I mean, I haven't seen any of these super drama ones that he's made because I just, I mean, I like, I don't know, not my, not my just a movie. Josh? Mm. I want to say Six Degrees of Separation because I do think it might be his strongest performance, but I actually think I'm probably going to have to go with Pursuit of Happiness. 
as my favorite. It's it's the one I'm most likely to look forward to watching again. I, I prefer him flexing his dramatic muscles a little bit over his uh, just blockbuster movie star chops. That that's easy. Uh, doing these more complex roles is a little bit more challenging, and I think he's up to the task. So yeah, I'm going with the pursuit of happiness. All right, Patrick. I think I'm going to have to go with I Am Legend, and I think I think it's going to solidify it even more when I watch the alternate ending, and I'm just going to like in my mind split that in there because I was That's not a, ha- not satisfied with the it. ending, but I did like the movie as a, as, as a whole, and yeah. I've always enjoyed in my mind the hermit in me has always enjoyed it in my mind the thought of being the only person on earth being able to do whatever I wanted so. That's kind of an interesting concept for me. You already do that. I was like, how is that any different? <laughs> That's your life already. Yeah, but then I could go outside. <laughs> if there's no people out there, I'd be walking around everywhere. And you wouldn't have to go through all the effort of ignoring the bills. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Way to end it on an up note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so next and- week. Next yeah, week? Never mind. I'm not going to mention that because that would be even sadder. So no. about, I was going to talk about the, the dog scene, but I was like, no, that's that's too too bad. Too no. Uh, so next week, we were going to initially thought got all excited. Said, hey, next week is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's birthday. We should do an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, but we just did show. a show on one specific person, and time of watching extra movies is short for us, so we're taking the easy way out and going with Predators. So Yeah, look- I think if the time Timing had worked out better. It would have been most interesting for us to do an Arnold month the way we did Bat Month last year. But with the Gen Con uh, show that we show number 99, we've already recorded. It's in the uh, can and we'll be going up while we're all at Gen Con uh, hosting instant game show. Yep. Come down to Indianapolis. If you happen to be there, find us. We'll be by the big podium. Um, and then after that, we'll be doing show number 100. So if the timing had worked just a little differently, we could have done an Arnold Schwarzenegger month. But instead, we'll probably do a series of Arnold shows. And we're going to start looking at uh, Predator and then comparing it to the Robert Rodriguez film Predators. Yep. And don't worry, we are going to do an Arnold Schwarzenegger film, except instead of for his birthday, we're going to do the show in sync with his bris. <laughs> Ooh, brisket. Yummy. So just a little bit off the top. Yep. Predator Predators for next week. Uh, if you've got some ideas for other shows we should be doing and aren't, you could uh, give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Or if you don't like us hearing your voice, you can probably email us at 40go14 at gmail.com. Or you could even send us a tweet, if you are so inclined, on Twitter at 40go14. Yes. And again, also, if you want to listen to our older shows, you can find us on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. Recorded live. <laughs> That's what they say on TalkShoe before the shows. I don't know why that was so damn funny to me. Like we've got a studio audience or something? That would be awesome. Haven't you ever listened to the talk show where they tag at the beginning? Oh, they used to. I don't know if they do it now. but Recorded before a live studio audience. TalkShoe. Recorded live. And that was the tag at the beginning of the show huh. before your podcast. I don't think they do it anymore, but they used to do it all the time. Hmm. And that's exactly what it sounded like. I've recorded one podcast that had a live studio audience. That was what an episode of the Tiki Geeks when we interviewed the professional hula dancer. For some reason or another, all the wives wanted to be there for that one. Hmm. Can't How about f- that? Yeah, go figure. They're into hula dancers, huh? Apparently. Interesting. Yeah. So, that's the end of it, folks. Yeah. All right. 
Thank you for listening. Mm. And like we said, by this time, uh, the 10-episode issue on iTunes should be fixed up and everything should be moving smoothly. So thanks for listening. Have a good night. Welcome to Earth. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. He he never actually said welcome to Earth. No. He clearly enunciates. Yeah. No. You are now leading the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Life's terrible. <laughs> and then Pam Dauber walks in. <laughs> and Lee Majors, for some reason. Oh, and Lee. she says, is this my biopic? <laughs> uh, and Dracula. Shoot. Anyway.